If you're going to cheat my family out of our most valuable asset, our family home, and you're gonna quote this document, you bet your ass you're gonna show it to me. You know, there's plenty of blame to go around, uh, but what I would say is in this particular incident, it appears to be with the vendor. Now, the original engineer on site could have done a great job but it goes back to his firm for peer review uh, and they'll make changes to it. And basically what we are seeing is with some of these third party administrator firms or the engineering firms, that's where a lot of the, the crime is occurring. Was that insurance organizations are very much like drug organizations when you do a drug investigation. It is a vertically integrated organization and you catch somebody in the lower end and you show them a potential prison sentence with which in Florida is significant, could be up to 30 years. Uh, and then they talk about, well, I was only following orders. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. Okay, 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 okay. Let's get this party started. I'm here with my good friend. How long have we known each other now, Doug? I mean, it's at least been about three years or so. Uh, Easily three or four years pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, so there's that, yeah. Sort of divide the world into COVID and uh, after COVID and pre-COVID. Pretty much, pretty much. Well, I'm very excited to have you on. Doug is the, what is your title at the AP? Like, is it like chief engineer or officer? Like, what is it? You know, sometimes it's just toilet cleaner. You got to be humble. But uh, on my business card, it says executive director. Executive director of the APA, uh, uh, and I'm talking. This is a, this is an association that I have supported for a very very long time, and uh, I'm glad to have you on because uh, I want I want I want this passport to Miami series that we're doing. I really want people to be like, wow, this is such amazing information that I have to go to this event so that I can meet this man in person and I can know more. So what I want to do here in this just half hour or so that we're going to do this here, I want you to drop as many dimes as you can in regards to the information that you know, that the information that the APA has done uh, in really finding out all of the crap that goes on behind the scenes with these insurance companies and with these insurance claims, because the fact is, is it's, it's difficult, not just for us as public adjusters, contractors, attorneys, restoration companies, obviously it's hard for us, but what's the worst part is that it's hard on these homeowners that are going through some strenuous moments that I've seen you out in Kentucky. I've seen you out in these places in, 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 in uh, swamp boots and swamp pants and doing everything you can to help these people out so you if anybody knows first and foremost but what do you got what do you got here on on the information that the APA has uncovered that you guys have uncovered in finding out more about what's going on behind the scenes with these insurance companies yeah and I'll, I'll tell you what we see is pretty scary uh, and obviously we're going to discuss in detail at the conference you know thank you very much for bringing us there uh, we certainly want to start educating the professional community that assists 
policyholders at the time of loss, uh, because we know that they're not being well served by the insurance industry. And in many cases, it's the vendors, the carriers are hiring the third party administrators, the engineering firms who are uh, slashing huge chunks off reports, who are creating fraudulent reports. These are the people that have what, you know, what we call a check writer bias. You know, disaster comes, the losses come, and you get hired by a big carrier. Well, cha-ching, your fortune has just been made. And there are there is pressure on some of these individuals and some of these entities to tell the carrier what they want to hear so they get hired for the next job, they get the next contract. Um, so we're concerned. We feel like a lot of the problems are happening with the vendors hired by carriers. There's quite a few problems that are going on to the point of fraudulent activities that are seriously cheating consumers out of a fair claim. And one of the biggest concerns we have is the lack of action by Florida regulators to crack down on this. Um, they certainly have no problem having the CFO step up and call public adjusters locusts, calling restoration contractors predators, calling for the dissolution of the Florida bar. Um, he seems to have a problem with everybody whose interests are aligned with helping the consumer at the time of loss, and certainly does not appear to be a lot of motivation to go after carriers, to prosecute carrier side fraud, to crack down on uh, some of the, these abuses of policyholders that are happening on the carrier side. You know, you brought up engineering firms and I'm going to be reading verbatim an engineering report that I just received on a very nice, what is it, 20 something unit uh, complex, 23 buildings uh, out here in Florida. And, and it's just a copy paste, Doug. Building four. Missing field shingle, which was observed prior to the date of loss per aerial photos. Building five, missing field shingle, which was observed prior to the date of loss per aerial photos. Building six, missing shingle, missing field shingle, which was observed prior to the date. It's a copy paste on every single one of these things. And it is just like complete, no hail uh, greater occurred at the property between the dates that they have. No win when we've got documentation that already proves that these things were there. And it's almost like, oh, I've got one even better, Doug. I've got one even better. Um, but what do you think about that? But I'm going to tell I'm going to read to you something. But, but, but these are things that you find all the time, right? We see copy paste reports. We know it happens because we catch them. They'll take a report from your property and they'll use it for me. Um, we catch them because sometimes they'll change the name. They'll forget to change the address or they'll forget to change the date of loss. Uh, you'll see a couple of dynamics in what you just read. There's copy pasting going on. And it also appears that they are perhaps using the incorrect date of loss or an incorrect weather report for the date of loss. Uh, these are common things that we'll see. This is, this is, I'm reading you a text message, Doug, from a field adjuster. Hello, I couldn't forward you the entire report until I'm able to review and redact anything needed. However, once I'm able to redact, I can send over to you. We could also give you enough time to, and then the, and we're like, wait, uh, what exactly are you redacting? And then it says something, um, the engineer report is considered work product. They aren't sent anywhere. I'm sending this as a courtesy. Well, I, you know, thank goodness for courtesy. Here's the one thing I will tell you from my personal experience, which is 
my insurance company, when I lost my home in a natural disaster, dis disqualified a large percentage of the loss and they attributed it to an engineering report. And when I asked for a copy of it, it's work products, work products. proprietary information we're not giving you. And my answer was, if you're going to cheat my family out of our most valuable asset, our family home, and you're going to quote this document, you bet your ass you're going to show it to me. You're not going to be like there's a mysterious document that says you're not getting paid honestly on this claim. Your family's, you know, out of luck and you're not going to show it to me. No, that's not happening. And that is absolutely unacceptable. And whatever people need to do to see these documents, specifically the pre-peer review portion of it, the original draft document, you've got to do if you have to hire an attorney you've got to hire an attorney if you've got to get the you know the state insurance department involved then that's what you have to do the better states uh california louisiana a few others you know have basically put a law in that says you're you have access to the full claim file uh they, and they do not have the ability to hold that back from you well that's nice have you ever seen a text message where, where they just blatantly say they're going to redact information I I have not. They they generally would say that to me. But listen, right. uh, it's it's. Uh, I'd be curious to see what comes through and what is actually redacted. But the one thing that uh, I want you to do when you're done with all this is you submit that right on the APA website. There's a place to upload engineering reports. Uh, we are keeping them for data because eventually uh, one of these engineers is going to get caught and we'll have his last or her last. 100 reports on file. Uh, basically, what happens is, you know, criminal fraud is basically defined as intentional deceit in order to gain a profit or to avoid a loss. Intent is a big part of this. And they get off on that a lot. They say a lot of, oops, I made a mistake, or that was my opinion. But when I then go back, you can get away with that on one report. But when I then go back, and we look at your last 50 or 100 reports and oops you made the same mistake or you had the same opinion and each of those 50 or 100 times it was in favor of the insurance carrier now we know it's not oops now we know it's patterns and practices if you flip a coin it should land heads or tails 50 percent of the time if you make a mistake they shouldn't all be in favor of the insurance industry then we know it's not a mistake there is intent there now I want to be clear because one question that I want to get back to is I want to I want to I want to ask you what you guys were able to uncover when that story broke out on uh, I believe it was USA Today or something what was it USA something Washington Post perhaps Washington Post yeah yeah Washington Post uh, but before that like the what the text message I read you was the inside examiner who was talking about redacting information and i know in regards to that washington post article i know it was a lot of these independent adjusters that came out and say i didn't write that like that report was not mine my reports over here and what was submitted was this over here but then i know you're also talking about third-party companies and they're doing their thing and then the engineering firms who's really to blame for this particular engineering report that i just read to you and then reading the text message that the adjuster is going to be redacting information because I would also assume because you experienced Hurricane Sandy, right? Correct. And 
and what I know about Hurricane Sandy was that 60 Minutes article, that 60 Minutes show that came out, that the insurance company was taking the engineering reports and changing it. And they, they were interviewing these engineers saying the same thing. I didn't submit that. These people changed everything on my report. That is what this looks like, what I'm reading to you now. It, it does appear to be that way. Uh, one of the things I will tell you is all of your audience needs to understand that when an engineer is sent out to a property, you are now officially in dispute. The insurance company is not spending their money to hire an engineer to go out and get Mr. or Mrs. property owner more money. It is a claims denial instrument in many cases. I will have people tell me, you know, so-and-so from, you know, engineer, this engineering company came out and I knew that roof was denied before he put his shoes on that morning, much less before he stepped foot on the roof because it was a pre-filled out report. So one of the things, you know, if when I see the exact same observations for each of multiple buildings, my first question is, did they actually get on top of the roof of each building? How much time did they spend? So, you know, it's very important that you record all inspections. Let's not kid ourselves. When they send an engineer out, you're officially in dispute. You may not, they may not be telling you that, but there's a reason for it. And you need to be there with them and you need to record, even if it's as simple as having a body cam, so you can see how much time did they spend on each roof? How much time, how much observations did they do? Do the, the pictures that they're submitting, do they match the actual damage on the roof? Because we've heard reports of, you know, people actually standing on top of damage and shooting pictures all around or actual damage being in the original report. But by the time it gets through with peer review and it gets released to the insurance company, those pictures have been eliminated. So recording uh, just a, a normal process. And we have a, a, a graphic saying that normalize recording engineer inspections. Well, who's more to blame? Is it the insur is it the insurance company? Is it the engineering firms? Is it is it kind of just spread out? Is the epidemic just spread out all along? Like who's more to blame for all that? You know, there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, but what I would say is in this particular incident, it appears to be with the vendor. Now, the original engineer on site could have done a great job but it goes back to his firm for peer review uh, and they'll make changes to it. And basically what we are seeing is with some of these third-party administrator firms or the engineering firms, that's where a lot of the, the crime is occurring. They're changing reports, they're deleting line items, they're reducing the actual amount of damage. Um, in some cases, very simple. You know, the famous case with Sandy was the engineer had said house appears to have storm damage that occurred on such and such a date. And they just added the word not. House does not appear to have storm damage. Um, and the original engineer on that was like, I didn't write it. That's not my report. So until we have more whistleblowers coming through and the whistleblowers that have come through on the uh, the IAs really did point to where the, the, uh, the crime occurred. And we actually know the name of the people that, you know, hold the trigger on that crime, as does the Florida authorities. So it seems to be in the vendor, but in the vendor arena. However, the insurance carriers, even though they may not have changed the report, 
they're benefiting from this. And there's a lot of speculation. Well, how much do they know? You know, how are they hiring an engineering firm like U.S. Forensics that's been embroiled in con controversy? Uh, how are they hiring them, even though they know that this company has been alleged to be forging reports? Uh, you know, why would they possibly put their reputation at risk for that? They need to do a better job, you know, vetting their vendors. And if they're not, you can't come to us and say, oops, we didn't know, because you're, you're not performing your due diligence to make sure that the people you're hiring are not cheating your policyholders. So it's yeah, so it's uh, it's upper management owners of these companies that they're reviewing their engineers and their IA reports that are being submitted to them before they submit it to the insurance company. And they're making the changes that they know the insurance company is going to want. That's interesting. Um, tell us more about the Washington Post article. Tell us more about the whistleblowers and everything that you guys were able to uncover. I'd say about nine months ago now around there. It was not too long ago. Sure. And uh, listen, there have been multiple uh, press releases on this. The Washington Post, uh, Brianna Sachs, the uh, climate change and natural disaster reporter for The Washington Post has done a phenomenal job, very brilliant individual. Um, and so she personally has written several, one was up front page, but they originally started out with the uh, independent adjusters coming to one of the APA board advisors, attorney Stephen Bush, uh, because he had a good reputation. They felt they'd get a fair deal. And they came to him and, and said, listen, they're changing our reports. They're taking a chainsaw to them. And basically, you know, and they're leaving our name on it and making it look like, you know, we're doing this damage. I mean, one of the reports was something like $150,000 claim and it was reduced to $22,000. And they brought evidence they brought proof. It was I've seen it personally. It's compelling evidence that this crime took place. And Florida fraud statutes, insurer fraud statutes, are very, very clear um, in terms of. And, and to me, this appears to to clearly cross that line. Uh, and Stephen Bush brought it right to the APA. We sent it to our version of an SIU, our Consumer Protection Unit, who vetted the case and investigated and said, there's enough here to go to Florida authorities and say, this needs to be investigated. Um, but keep in mind, you know, these, these individuals actually showed, Stephen brought them to a hearing at the state legislature. They met with the head of the state legislature and, the case was buried. I mean, Florida DFS said, you know, hey, we don't have cooperative witnesses, uh, which is a thing we've seen with them before. We're not going to investigate. And then, you know, once it went into the Washington Post, it was in a bunch of the Florida papers, a bunch of the Florida news organizations on TV. They pretty much buried it. But as soon as it's in the Washington Post, you can't bury anymore. You know, yeah. All all of the federal regulators and congressmen and senators are waking up and reading about this with their morning coffee. It, it's a worldwide paper. It's all over the world. You you can't pretend that, you know, you're not seeing it. And they couldn't trip over themselves fast enough to open an investigation, which we're still awaiting the results of, uh, you know, and to be fair, some of these investigations do take quite a long time. Uh, a year, 18 months is not unheard of. Uh, we're being patient, but we are certainly keeping the pressure up on Florida authorities because the second Washington Post article, which was front page, 
of the post above the fold, uh, which if you're a reporter is the equivalent of hitting a home run. Uh, it's a premium space. And it, and it talks about how the APA had submitted a fraud report against a company called UPC after Hurricane Irma in, in 2021. And again, we reworked it with three other whistleblowers and submitted again in early 22. And the Florida authorities buried it. Same thing. We have uncooperative witnesses. Uh, they didn't really follow through with it. The OIR and the DFS fraud investigators played, you know, hot potato, passing it back and forth, and nobody actually did anything with it. And the one point that we need to make is imagine how much better it would have been for Hurricane Ian victims had Florida prosecuted UPC or the individuals hired by UPC who committed this crime. How much if you sent a message to the insurance industry that says, if you cheat our policyholders, there will be consequences. There will be criminal investigation and if warranted, a criminal prosecution. Um, they had a golden opportunity there to send a message and they didn't. They buried the case. Uh, we turned that report over to the Washington Post. She put it on the front page. And, and I promise you, while we're talking about Florida, you have to think much bigger because what's happening in Florida is happening in other states and they will be pushing it more aggressively in other states. So every state insurance commissioner read the Florida, uh, the, the Washington Post that day and saw your CFO get spanked on the front page of the Washington Post in front of the whole world because he, they did not do a diligent job of prosecuting carrier side fraud, which is a common thing we see. Trump even said something to, about DeSantis and how he was getting uh, attacked on uh, on screwing people over with all his uh, all of his uh, insurance bias uh, decisions and and law changes and so on and so forth. I thought that was pretty funny. That is correct, uh, and, that, and that was big news as well. What has happened since? What's happened since is the Florida regulators have opened an investigation. We've actually heard uh, from our principal witness in the previous UPC case uh, that they contacted him and made a good faith effort to get his information, which they had not done before. Uh, so we're waiting. Uh, we have been in contact. They have reassured us that they are investigating. And look, we're going to we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt while it's going on. What we don't want to see is, you know, that they arrest some low level 23 year old uh, with minimal experience and, and for doing this when we know, you know, the person that actually sat down at the computer and altered these reports was probably following orders. Uh, you know, one of the things we've learned very early in the APA's incarnation when we started was that insurance organizations are very much like drug organizations when you do a drug investigation. It is a vertically integrated organization and you catch somebody in the lower end and you show them a potential prison sentence with which in Florida is significant, could be up to 30 years. Uh, and then they talk about, well, I was only following orders. Uh, I was yeah. only doing this from this person. And nobody touches anything. Everybody like, they're just like, there's so many like, so many levels to it that you know they don't they don't know what's going on they don't touch anything so they they can't get blamed for anything we've already seen one of the tpas uh, after the original report came out saying well we were just following insurance company guidelines guidelines 
So you start to see the rattlesnakes biting themselves when this starts to happen because everybody starts to think, wow, I really could go to jail for this. I'm not going to jail for an insurance company's profit margin. And I want to stress what you mentioned is that, you know, Florida does seem to be sort of the catalyst of law changes and things that sort of happens on the forefront that is eventually later to come across the entire country. And uh, this is one of those things. Uh, this is one of those things that I think you mentioned before the show. Uh, we were talking a little bit. You said you're starting to see things in Louisiana and in different states as well, right? Yep. So we'll, you know, we we look at Florida and a lot of people are saying, ah, who cares? I don't work in Florida. I'm in California. I'm in North Dakota. Uh, you know, you have to understand that the insurance industry is a national industry. Some of these companies are national companies. Uh, the lobbyists, the lobbying firms, and a lot of the TPAs that they're hiring are also national. The engineering firms are national. So they're kind of looking at Florida. They're trying a lot of these strategies. They're pulling a lot of nonsense. We're catching them, but you can bet that they are going to learn those lessons and they're going to bring them national. There's going to be a dog and pony show. They're going to create you know, legislation. They're going to start pushing it through other states. They're going to start using these tactics. So while you may not care about Florida, you can trust me that these tactics are coming to your home market. So we are looking at, listen, we're we're going to stand up for the rights of consumers in the state of Florida. We are all in there. We're watching very carefully what's going on. And there's a lot more deeper stuff happening than most people understand. Uh, and we're fighting it. You know, we. I kind of look at it as like the Spanish Civil War. The Spanish Civil War was basically a dress rehearsal for World War II. And a lot of the ideologies, fascism versus, you know, the Republicans, et cetera, has, and a lot of the tactics such as mass bombing of civilian populations were piloted in the Spanish Civil War. And then it became a global issue as we went on. So, you know, we are... Uh, very much concerned watching Florida, and we are very much keeping an eye and monitoring everything that's going on. And there are a few dynamics that are particularly concerning beyond just cheating people by forging claim reports. So that leads me to my excitement uh, to have you at our event at Advocates United. You are going to be uh, coaching, speaking, teaching our our industry alongside um, uh, oh my God, I just had a brain fart. Bush. His first Stephen name, Bush. Stephen Bush. Jeez, I'm sorry, Stephen. If you watch this, uh, you're going to be uh, alongside Stephen Bush, and you're going to be letting everybody know exactly what's going on uh, in the industry and what we need to look out for. Uh, but before that, that's going to be on November 16th. It's going to be a full day event that I'm really excited about. But I'd like for you to talk about also the APA Summit, which I will also be a part of. Who are the kind of people that you're going to have, or who are the people that you're going to have at that? And where is it? Uh, and what's the, the date? APA Annual Membership Summit will be in Dallas, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, it is free for APA members and only APA members can attend. Uh, and basically what we're doing is we're training our membership to be better fraud fighters, to be more informed, to be able to spot the fraud in the field and do as Stephen Bush did, bring it right to the APA and get it worked into a criminal referral and then we can follow up. Uh, so there'll be quite a bit of training and education on what to look for, like what you spoke about with the engineering reports. Um, yeah. So there'll be specific the people coming. We're going to have Matthew Smith, who is the executive director of the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud. We're having Professor Jay Feynman come. If you've ever read the book, Delay, Deny, Defend uh, from Professor Jay Feynman, 
amazing. If you haven't read that book, stop what you're doing after Vince's podcast, order it and read it immediately. It is a game changer to see what the other side is doing. Uh, and then we're also having a Federal Reserve Board of a Board of Governors economists come. Uh, there'll be some other people. We're going to have members of the press there. And, uh, and of course, all of the APA members and board advisors, which since we do not release who our members are, you would be surprised who is an APA member or a board advisor. They are the who's who of leaders in the industry. Uh, so you That's will true. be very surprised when you see the kind of people that are behind the APA that are supporting this organization. And that's one of the reasons why we're able to be so successful because we're not necessarily looking for huge amounts of members. Everyone who wants to be on the team is welcome, but more importantly, we're looking for those innovators, those thought leaders who will be able to help take this organization to the next level in holding the insurance industry accountable and holding the regulators and elected officials who are supposed to be holding the insurers accountable, holding them accountable if they're not doing the right job. It's true. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I guarantee at the APA summit, you're, this organization, I've always noticed it's like the who's who. It's like they are like the the top notch people in this industry are a part of the APA, and it's really cool to see. Um, yeah, again, we're we're excited, but again, it's members only. There's no charge for it. You know, we're 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 not going to teach you how to uh, the things that Vince will do and things that you know some of the other places will do. How to grow your business and you know how to scale up and be better at your profession. You know, we leave that to the experts in the fields to do that. What we will be doing is discussing the APA mission, uncovering some things that maybe you had no idea was going on, and we'll be actually educating you on how to best defend your consumers from being defrauded by the insurance company. And it, 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 there's a lot to learn to do it, and we're certainly here to help help you be a better advocate for your customers. Yeah, and uh, I will be there. I appreciate you. I appreciate the invite. We're gonna have the show there. We're definitely gonna. Uh, I'm gonna definitely have uh, a, some crew members, I guess. We'll have the camera set up, and we'll sit down with some of the who's who, like I said. And I think it'll be a fun time. So, um, I have one last question. Um, you know, for us, public adjusters, contractors, and, and and attorneys, I mean, no offense, but we know we've known that this has been going on for a long time. You know, that Washington Post article about reports being changed, that is literally just preaching to the choir. It's what we deal with. I mean, I literally just settled a claim today, Doug, for about 50 some odd dollars, 50,000 some odd dollars that was under deductible, under $4,000 because the, 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 the adjuster paid for four shingles and paid for this, this and that. And then in mediation, I'm able to get $56,000 is what I think I got from under deductible. Like... We already know this is going on. What can we do as an industry to notify the people who really need to know that this is going on? It's those people who sit down in front of their TV and watch the Super Bowl ads paid by State Farm, Allstate, and all of these big wigs that who are actually the most difficult ones to deal with on the insurance claim side. What can we do as an industry, those of us that already know this has been going on for a long time, to notify the policyholders, the homeowners, the people who think that the insurance company is there for them, uh, is there on their side. How can we notify them and get make them aware of this? 
Well, listen, the APA does uh, goes a long way in doing that. A huge part of our mission, and we didn't expect this when we started, a huge part of our mission is education, is educating not just the public, consumers on how to defend themselves, but also educating prosecutors and elected officials that insurance companies are committing fraud too. We didn't really expect that, but now when we started talking to them, we could realize they've never heard this before. Their whole careers... They've only heard from insurance company lobbyists who have showed up at their office with a check and said, guess what? Everyone's trying to steal from us. We've got to protect the insurance companies. Uh, and P.S. it does happen. People do commit fraud against insurance companies. But what the point that we make is fraud happens on all sides. There's no segment of the population or of the industry you can point to and say it's just those people. A certain percentage of the American population is willing to commit fraud for a profit or to avoid a loss. And it doesn't matter whether you're hiring a contractor or an insurance industry claims manager or an engineering firm or a congressman or a senator for that matter, that percentage of fraudsters come along with it. That's why we see our elected officials getting arrested all the time. We see insurance commissioners getting arrested all the time. You know, nobody is beyond that. So, you know, working with the APA, we have phenomenal press relationships. We've been in the Washington Post, the New York Times, Fortune Magazine, um, U.S. News and World Report. We've been on Lester Holt, uh, NBC Nightly News, which is one of the top five most watched programs on TV. Uh, we've been on Fox. You know, we've got huge because we've got a lot of credibility. We're a newer organization. We're only been around for five years uh, but we have a very loud voice because we speak for the American consumer. Uh, so one of the best ways that you get that message out is by supporting the APA, getting your information to the APA, getting potential claims, uh, criminal fraud on claims to the APA, and also being able to, we can carry your voice. Here, I'll give you an idea. A week from tomorrow, I will be in Washington, D.C., testifying to the U.S. Senate. And we will be testifying to the U.S. Senate on fraud, waste and abuse that is taking place in the flood insurance industry. Uh, and this is not just the first time we've done that. This is our second time testifying to the U.S. Senate. Um, you know, most of your listenership will never have the opportunity to do that. But if you're an APA member, your voice gets carried into some very powerful arenas talking about what's going on. We call it balancing the narrative. You know, the, there's, there's a quote from Sun Tzu. If you were an old guy in business like me back in the 80s, the art of war was mandatory businessman. We all read it. We all quoted it. And uh, one of the quotes is all warfare is based on deception. So what we see the insurance industry doing is like, look at those cockroach locust public adjusters. Look at those predator contractors look at those ambulance chasing attorneys and basically what it is is it is the left hand pointing at the right hand saying look what they're doing and while the entire prosecution community is gaslighted watching consumer advocates no one's watching what the insurance industry is doing so you know we do a lot for what's called balancing the narrative to make sure that message gets out that fraud happens on all sides all fraud is wrong and all fraud needs to be criminally enforced.
And the marketing too, right? The you're in good hands. Like it's like specialized marketing towards we're your friend. We're here for you. We're going to take care of you. We're like a warm blanket, you know? And there's well, a lot of dynamics behind that. <clears throat> for sure. Yes. Number one, you're brainwashing the average consumer because, you know, hey, my neighbor would never cheat me like that. The other thing they're doing, is they've actually done studies that show that they're influencing the jury pool. And when some of these cases go to trial, the jury has that bias, has that prejudice, like, oh, but, you know, my good neighbor would never do that. And then the other thing that's happening is because the insurance industry is one of the biggest advertisers. A lot of news organizations will not print anti-insurance stories. Ah. Or, or they'll pull their punches. Uh, uh, Lester Holt, one of the top five watched programs in the country, huge economic power, right? A lot of ability there. NBC News, one of the major networks, they interviewed all of our whistleblowers. They talked about the dynamics. They interviewed me. Interviewed me when they ran the story. They did not name the insurance companies involved. Of course That's not. Otherwise, we see them pull punches. They won't actually name names. There are some people that will do that. They're fearless, but you have to understand, you know, to have a reporter that's willing to print that story, many of them are, but it's got to go past their editor. It's got to go past their legal department, their advertiser department weighs in. And, you know, all that insurance advertising money carries a lot of power. Nobody wants to piss off one of their biggest advertisers. Well, look, listen, I mean, I think if uh, you're not asking for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I think some of the advice that I can give you is I really think this is why these me these mediums are so important, right? Like we don't have any regulations. I, we're on YouTube and it's, and it's at least not yet, right? Spotify, podcasts, online shows, stuff like that. We can say whatever we want. And I've told you once and I'll tell you again, Doug, talk to your team. Anything that I can do to help you. I believe for me personally, I'm getting on a personal level. I believe my next step for this, for this thing that I'm doing here, my company is running pretty strongly. We're doing consulting now. I do believe that as I continue to hire the right people, put people in place, because that's where we're at, I do believe the next step for me is to do something, make something of an impact, because I am extremely proud of my industry. I've been a PA for 15 years now. I believe, I mean, literally, it has fed my family for all this time. I've, I've been able to be successful in it. And it's not just making money, but it's like what we do, what we, what we represent is just helping the homeowner during a time of need. And you've gone to these events and I've seen you at these events and how nice are these fellow public adjusters and contractors? Like they're all, everybody's really nice people. When you really get into a conversation, you see that they're in it for the good. Of course, we're trying to make money. It is a business. Obviously, we need to feed our families at the same time, but it's like a different feeling when you're in a room full of public adjuster, advocates, contractors. It is like, some very, very nice people that I am very proud of. And my mission, my mission, Doug, is to never have to answer the question again, what is a public adjuster? I believe everyone needs to know that there is an advocate that they can hire, that they could, that could represent them throughout the insurance claims process to ensure that there's not going to be any kind of funny business. But Anything you need from me, Doug, anything at all, uh, that's that's where I want to be headed. That's where I want to go. I feel like I do have a gift of communication that I want to use to my advantage and use to the advantage of the organization that has supported me so much. Yeah, and we appreciate it. Look, you're an important part of the team. That's how the APA works is the actual professionals who are boots on the ground are the key team members. 
You cannot be in my position. You can't be an executive or on the board of directors for the APA if you make any money in the claims business. We do that so that there's no profit motive. We do that so there's no conflict of interest. We do that so our members can look at us and never have to question, hey, are these people just like feeding referrals to their own business? Uh, we don't do referrals to anybody, and we certainly aren't involved in the claims business. So you know the APA is clean from conflict of interest and profit motives. But what that means is we need people like you and your listeners who are the boots on the ground. They're the ones that are uncovered the fraud. We've got Absolutely. the mechanism to investigate it. We've got the relationships with the press and with the prosecution units to be able to have something done about it. But we need the professionals in the field to actually be the ones that, that bring us this information, keep us abreast of what's going on in the market, and also be able to spot the fraud when it's happening. And we will train you to do that. Yeah. And uh, well, thank you, Doug. Uh, you guys will have a booth at our event. Uh, you will be speaking at the event. So if you guys are coming out, make sure that you get a chance to meet Doug and make sure that you become an APA member. Uh, you will not uh, be disappointed by it. It is definitely for a great cause. Doug, thank you so much for having us or not for having us. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate your time and thank you so much for taking the time to come to our event. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm really excited about being at the event. And I mean, first of all, Miami in Miami. November. How do you go wrong with that? But being at an event like this with some of the top tier people in the industry and be able to collaborate and network and share ideas, wonderful opportunity. So we really feel privileged about being invited. Thank you. Thanks, Doug.